Today, we are beginning a teaching series on the theme of overcoming fear. The parable of the talents will be our template for this teaching series. Three entrepreneurial fears are expressed and acted upon by the wicked servant in the parable of the talents, and those three fears are the fear of lack, the fear of risk, and the fear of failure. In the next three episodes, we will teach you how to overcome these three fears. Today, we will address how to overcome the entrepreneurial fear of lack. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. We're so glad you took time to listen to this podcast. I know it's going to bless you. It's going to help you. Um, When we talk about the fear of lack, overcoming the fear of lack, some of you may know this as the the scarcity mentality that we hear more about. Mm -hmm. More and more in the entrepreneurial world, we're hearing about the scarcity mentality and what that truly does, how that affects us in our mindset, in our business. And we don't realize, you know, by having this mentality, how it really has a ripple effect on everything that we touch in our personal lives, in our business, the way we teach our children about money, the way we experience abundance or lack in our lives will affect our children. So I really encourage you to share this podcast with other believers, um, whether they have kids or not, uh, it will bless them. I can guarantee you that this is a podcast that's going to change your life. Um, Everybody has uh, a certain degree of scarcity. And uh, I think when when we really study this topic, we realize how we've been affected by it. Sometimes it's your childhood upbringing that does this. Sometimes it's the influential people in your life, your parents. And sometimes it's just society and even where you grew up that has this mentality, especially if you're from um, a smaller um, city. So I encourage you to share this and be blessed. Sebastian, uh, I know you have an amazing story. You want to start with an anecdote? Yeah, an anecdote. Well, I think it's so good what you said, how uh, scarcity mentality will affect and and ripple effect all over your life. And uh, it can even actually affect your testimony as a believer, your testimony for God and impact others into saying, hey, I, I, I want to know this God. I want I want what she's got. And I'll give you an example, a, a real life example of what happened to me. Um, when I, back when I was in my 20s, I was invited to attend a uh, dinner theater by a couple of elders at my church. So a husband and wife uh, who were very influential at our church, uh, very, very deep in the word. They loved the Lord. And they were very implicated in our church and they they invited me they kind of liked me and uh, they wanted me to attend this dinner theater because they had extra tickets so i was happy to go and i was fortunate enough to have a couple of extra tickets so i, I invited my mom and sister at the time uh, and uh, i was glad to invite them and i thought hey you know what since they're not really believers this might be a good opportunity for them to hear you know to hear about the gospel and to um, maybe get closer to God and, and get a step in the right direction. So we had a great time. Uh, the show was awesome. We had a good meal. So dinner and a show. However, something really weird happened by the end of the show. 
The elder's wife got up from her seat in a hurry. She grabbed the big bag and she went running to all the tables to gather all the plastic cups, forks, knives, and spoons that were used by the people over there. So initially I thought she was helping out to take out the trash or maybe she was recycling. So I asked her, what are you doing? And she said she was taking all the cups and plastic utensils to bring them home, wash them, and reuse them when she had guests over at her house. Of course, that's weird, <laughs> to say the least. But at the time, you know, I was in my early 20s, I didn't think much of it. However, my mom and sister who were there, they thought that was very, very strange. So much so that it short-circuited that godly woman's testimony right then and there. Because to them in the flesh, see, they weren't in the spirit, right? They're not in the spirit yet. So to them in the flesh, they're like, why would I serve? Why would I want to serve a God that makes you so poor that you want to run after plastic cups and forks and knives and rewash them to reuse them to give to people when they come over to your house. See, that's in the flesh, the interpretation that people got. So it was so overly frugal that it short-circuited this godly woman. I have to say, she was a very godly woman, but it short-circuited her testimony at that particular time. And uh, just for you to understand the context, um, Sebastian's mother and sister were not raised rich. Um, you know, his mom was on welfare, a part of her life as well. And so they, you know, they grew up pretty poor. Sebastian and his sister grew up pretty poor. So we're not talking about somebody that had this no, you know, mansion. No, <laughs> they They were exactly, they were already roughing it and yeah. finding it very difficult to make ends meet. So for them to have this perception did not help um, them get saved at all. And it, it was like that because, um, you know, this this lady, this godly lady was very nice. She invited a lot of people to her house. But, you know, they were they saw her many, many times. And it was always little um, scarcity mentality tricks and frugal things that she would do that people would notice and would say, you know, this doesn't make sense. Like her husband's uh, a pa he's uh, implicated in the church. He's a deacon. And he's a teacher, so he's making a decent salary. Why is she acting like this? Like, mm -hmm. and, how and, come and I'm on welfare and I don't behave like this? Yeah, you know? and, and that, that was an effort to, uh, and I would say maybe a misunderstanding of the Proverbs 31 woman of uh, saving money. But see, the Proverbs 31 woman, we did an episode on, on her a while back. I forget yeah. which episode it was, but we called it the, uh, what was the title? The, anyway, it was on the, if you enter on our website in the search bar, the Proverbs 31 woman, you're going to see that episode. Yeah. And we made a case that this woman was not scraping pennies, as so many religious people tend to think. That's not what made her godly. What made her godly was her ability to create wealth. I mean, she when she went out and bought a field, when she had that, uh, she was, um, she, uh, she was, uh, weaving knitting or something she was creating uh, fabric yeah, fabric she was, making... she was going to the market purchasing fabrics expensive fabric so she was making wealth she was creating wealth for yeah, her husband her she, to... she wasn't saving money she was creating wealth so that was a big misunderstanding that we we had growing up uh, from that passage in the proverbs 31 and and it affected so many uh, women in church who think that it's godlier to scrape a penny than to make a penny. And that was her uh, angle. And that's how she thought she was helping out her husband, helping out her family. So her intentions were good. But the ultimate testimonial of that, that it just wasn't good. Okay. So I think it was a severe case of over frugality, scarcity thinking, limiting belief. And in the end, it was just plain sad. Now, some of you listening might say she was just being frugal. Yeah, but is it really being frugal? Like, let's just let's just see this from a woman's perspective. If you take 
if you take those, she was gonna reuse those uh, plastic spoons and knives for her guests that she would invite after church. Was she gonna rewash all of those as yeah. well? Yeah. So if she was gonna rewash them, she's wasting hot water. If you want to see it that way, you know, and soap and whatnot. I mean, where does it end? Well, exactly. I mean, like, why not just take your own dishes? And it's, <laughs> and it's plastic utensils. I mean, they practically give them away at Walmart, but or the dollar store, whatever. But but I do believe in the quality of being frugal. You know, we don't want to overspend. We don't want to waste. And we teach our yeah. kids that all the time, not to waste. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, even even when Jesus uh, did the miracle of the bread and fish, what did he tell the disciples at the end? Go and gather all the fragments that are left in the baskets. So right. we, may, may, we don't want to waste. So we have a God who expects us to be frugal. He doesn't want us to waste. However, I think there is such a thing as being overly frugal. And being overly frugal actually has a name in the English vocabulary. It's called being cheap. And being cheap is an indication of a poverty spirit mindset. And I've said it before in previous episodes, too many Christians are interested in how they can save a penny rather than how they can make a penny. And this mindset has to do with the fear of lack. And we're going to explore that further by reading the parable of the talents. And before, before Elizabeth reads the parable of the talents for us, uh, we're going to read the version that's in Matthew. There's another version in, in the book of Luke, okay? The Gospel of Luke. And it's slightly different. It's called in Luke the parable of the, the, the minus. And in Matthew, it's called the parable of the talents in most versions. However, I like the version in, in the New International Version because it calls it the parable of the bags of gold. And I think that sets the context so much better than calling it the parable of the talents, which was a monetary measure back in the day. But most people today, you tell them parable of the talents and they think talents, natural abilities, something that God gave you as a gift uh, that, you're, that you're good at doing something, a talent in that sense. That's the definition we grew up with. Not many of us would think talent equates a monetary measure. So I like the NIV for that reason. They call it bags of gold. So it really puts you in the context of this is financial. So Liz, if you'd read to us the parable of the talents, that'd be great. So in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. So now he has ten. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So you can see he's delighted in that. It continues to say, The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So even if he produced less, he's still happy that he was able to, to create more. Yeah. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. So in his mind, he thinks he did a great deed there. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Notice how he says to the one that has 10 bags. So to the one that knows how to produce much more, yeah, exactly. not to the guy that had two. To right? the one who is what we would call in the Bible fruitful exactly we'll talk more about that later for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth wow Ooh. yeah now that's that's a, a scary prospect this parable is about, uh, and we all grew up with that version, is about fruitfulness. And, and we, we often equated it with the fruitfulness of using our talents for God, the fruitfulness of using our spiritual gifts for God, and the fruitfulness of using our resources for God. But rarely do we equate it with actual finances. And that, that's what we're going to do today because it also, and <laughs> I, I should say maybe, at face value, that's what it's about. But it definitely also speaks of the importance of using the finances that God entrusts with us and using our what? Our what? Our ability to create wealth. Again, it has to do with that and making more of what has God given us. And see, this man was not operating from a place of, um, of <laughs> wicked... like. I mean, they call him wicked, but in you can see by his comment, he was scared and he did not think abundantly. He was operating with a scarcity mindset. Yeah, and, and we've seen in previous episodes that wickedness, being wicked, it's, it's corrupt thinking, thinking wrongly. And in this parable, he has a fear of his master that is misplaced. Instead of using that what we call the fear of God, saying, okay, I, you know what, I've got the fear of God, and since I do have the fear of God, I'm going to make sure I'm fruitful. I'm going to make sure that when he does return, and he gives everyone back according to what they have done, I'm going to be one of those who's going to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. Instead of using that fear of God, that healthy fear of God, he's scared of God. So there's a difference between having the fear of God and being scared of God. And in that parable, we see a guy who's scared of God. He's just scared, like does something completely foolish because he's scared. Anyway, there are many things we can identify about the wicked servant in the parable of the talents. I believe that he serves as a very, very potent cautionary tale. And I also believe that most believers and even Bible teachers misunderstand and misuse the lessons of this parable of Jesus. And the main thing comes with, like I mentioned earlier, we over-spiritualize it. We make it all about bearing spiritual fruit. And we misunderstand that God wants us to bear fruit in all things, in all areas of our lives. You know, be fruitful and multiply is in every aspect of our lives. It's, it's a command, as a, as a human being, we are to be fruitful and multiply in every sphere of our lives. And that does include the finances that God entrusts to us to be good stewards. And, and being good stewards, the problem is, and I mentioned that also in earlier episodes, that most believers think it's about pinching a penny, saving a penny, saving more, instead of making more. Being a good steward has a lot more to do with creating wealth than uh, saving a dollar here and there. And you know, I've um, I've met a lot of Christian women during the the many years that, <laughs> that I've been uh, in this world. I'm gonna turn forty next year, um, and I've been in the Christian circles for many many years. And I've seen all kinds of Christian ladies. I've been to Christian women's ministries and had a, a lot of good chit chats with women. And I've noticed that. Christian women in general, especially women that stay at home, have this mentality that they're to stay at home and be extremely, extremely frugal and save every penny that their husband makes so that it kind of validates why they're at home, not only to take care of the kids, but, you know, I'm saving money, 
I'm, I'm cooking, I'm making homemade meals. That's a lot, um, that's saving money, you know, because I don't need to, you know, go to the drive-through or take takeout as often and waste as much money if I was working um, outside the home. And I completely understand this mentality because I've, I have stayed at home for many years raising my kids. But I would say that, you know, at one point there comes a time where you can kind of cross the line there. And I've seen some women do that where, you know, if they're doing a home-based business, for example, from home or an Etsy shop or anything, like some, a lot of creative Christian women have found different ways, you know, to uh, make, make a little side income um, and use their skills, right? So some of them have done that wisely and have a, been able to make extra income for their families and have, you know, been smart about cutting corners on certain things. But others have put so much pressure on themselves to, uh, you know, make the, that side income plus continuing being that overly frugal person where things are just in reality, not really serving you. So for example, what I want to explain by this is that if you have a business that is making money, for example, I don't know, let's say you're a seamstress, you're a tailor, you're good at fixing people's pants and whatever, and you get people to come to your house and, and do that for you. Well, maybe, you know, sometimes you don't have time to make this four course meal or to, to do as much cleaning as you're supposed to. Um, sometimes, you know, it's worth making more of what works and maybe asking a cleaning lady to come once a month and spruce up your home because, you know, that energy that you're wasting on trying to make everything perfect all the time for your home plus the extra work is just reducing your ability to create wealth for your family. Mm. And so some women get in that trap where they have to make everything perfect perfect try to be frugal all the time you know it's not wrong for you to order a pizza on a friday night once in a while mm -hmm. you know yeah. uh, if that means that you know that night you you had you know more orders in and you had to work a little more you know you have to calculate is it going to take me how many hours is it going to take me to prepare a certain meal when i could just be advancing in certain things and you know it's not the end of the world if my family eats a frozen lasagna for that night or something else to cut corners, you know, like you have to really have a, a, a smart balance of looking at where your time and energy is going. And at the point where, you know, if you are able to create wealth, which you should be able to, because God gave you that ability, you just haven't stopped and thought of how you can do it. Mm -hmm. um, if you're, you're getting some traction in your business and there's ladies that, I don't know, want to get their hair done by you, or, you know, there's so many ways to make money from home. Uh, we have our own home business as well. If you want ideas, I can give you plenty of ideas just to reach out to me. Um, and, you know, there's ways to, to make extra income. Why would you waste so much time on trying to be overly frugal, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because your time is worth money. And if you study any successful person, you'll see that they will outsource a lot of uh, time wasters, mm -hmm. like cutting the grass, like, you know, somebody to clean their home, uh, even to fold their clothes. I mean, there's a lot of things that they will end up outsourcing because they see that their time could be uh, valuable elsewhere. So I want you to think about that as you grow your business, as you decide to expand your way of thinking in mm -hmm. abundance, that, you know, it's it's very easy to get in this trap thinking that we're doing the godly thing and that God's going to snare on us if we don't have the best floors and we don't, you know, have the home cooked meal all the time. I know a lot of girls that are doing very badly in their home business because of this, because they feel like they have to change the beds all the time, mop the floors, do this, do that. And then, oh, finally, I'll get some time to work my business. And in reality, their husband is frustrated with them because they're like, well, why aren't you making money with your business? Mm -hmm. You know, so like sometimes you have to balance these things out and look at where you're spending your time and is it fruitful or are you being overly frugal in a, in a negative way yeah and it's about being fruitful i mean that the fruitfulness cannot be overemphasized here and i think that's the the, the fear of the parable uh, the the servant in the parable is that he's he's just scared he's scared of risk he's scared of reprimand he's scared of all these things and it's misplaced and in the end what happens to him he loses so 
basically he goes and buries the, the, the talent or the bag of gold because he's afraid that he's going to lose it or that, that it's not going to work or whatever. You know, that he's, if he invested, he's, it's, not, it's just not going to work or, oh my, what's, what's going to happen? What if, what if, what if? He lacks assurance in his ability. Yeah. And that's why the, in the Bible, he is called a wicked and lazy servant. So he's lazy, first of all, because he didn't go to the bankers, do the deed that would... Which would have been the simplest way. That would made it fruitful. Yeah. But he's wicked because of his thoughts, his mind, how he perceives the master. Instead, like I said, instead of having the fear of God, a healthy fear of God that springs you into action, he is afraid of God, which keeps him in paralysis mode. Very different. Very different outlook. And uh, we know that when Jesus comes back, he's going to give according to our works. He's going to give uh, a recompense according to our works. And uh, we have many verses in the scripture uh, that if we don't bear the fruit that we're supposed to, well, just like in the end of the, the parable, these are cut off. So... <laughs> It, it's, a, it's a salvation issue in some cases. Some people are just in religion mode. They think they're saved, but they're in religion mode and they're doing it all wrong. So these are going to be cut off. They're going to be saying to, to Jesus, didn't we do this in your name, that in your name, and that in your name? He's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. So those are, those are religious people who've never encountered God, who've never been truly saved. Uh, and it is just a, a sad, it's just yeah. awful. And many Christians are trapped in that, uh, you know, overly saving mentality of, you know, being overly frugal and not spending any money and God won't look at it in a good way. And I have to save, 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 and just look at what's going on in my household as if it's just about you and what you do with your your money as opposed to having an abundance mindset and thinking how can i bless people with the skills and strength god has given me how can i create wealth how can i make more money for my family and for other people to give some of that away and make a difference in this world how can i help people with the skills that god has given me is a very different mentality because you're thinking from a place of abundance not just for yourself but for others around you so you're way more fruitful yeah if you're thinking that way yeah and about creating wealth uh, we we oftentimes when i mentioned this a lot of believers think in a certain way only if they limit their beliefs. So I'm going to talk about that later on in the podcast. That, that what creating wealth might mean for you, it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean to be a mogul on Wall Street. That's not, and that's not the plan for God uh, that God has for all of us. Uh, but before we keep going, I want to mention a post, a blog post that I read, uh, written by Chad Ashby. He's a pastor, and he wrote about the ugly side of frugality. That was his blog post. That's what he called it. So Chad Ashby, and he, he wrote three points. It was a very interesting blog post. He wrote three things about over frugality, which is what I was talking about in the beginning of this story when I mentioned that uh, yeah. supper theater I went to. So he said, number one, frugality is unsustainable. So in other words, if everybody did what the elder's wife did, or if everybody only bought from, for example, from thrift stores, Guess what would happen to our economy? It would die out. So frugality, although it is a good quality to have, we don't want to, like I said, we don't want to, uh, to waste, but it has to have certain limits to it because if we're over frugal, the economy would die out. Number two, this is very important. A frugal kingdom is undesirable. Remember what I told you guys at the end of the supper, at the end of the day, my mom and sister, they didn't desire that kingdom. They didn't desire that king. They didn't think, wow, I want that salvation. That looks awesome. They were put off by what they saw. If they hadn't seen that, who knows what would have happened. I mean, and I, and I know you. some of you guys all out there are going to over-spiritualize this also, saying, well, that's because their heart were hardened and if the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can do all things. And it's true. The Holy Ghost can turn any heart at any time under any circumstances towards him. 
God has that power. But our testimonies have also power to attract or repel. And that's what I'm talking about here. Yeah, and we all know, I mean, we've, we know this for a fact. Uh, we have evangelized a lot of people through the years. And, you know, it, it really is true that people read the Christian and not what they say. They don't read the Bible, they read the Christian. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, Miles Monroe once said, and speaking of this, uh, a frugal kingdom is undesirable. Miles Monroe said, the glory of a kingdom lies in its abundance, its prosperity, and the well-being of its citizens. A poor Overly frugal or scraping to get by kingdom is not desirable nor appealing to anyone. Furthermore, it reflects badly on the glory of its king. So we need to be careful in our frugality. It's good to be frugal not to waste, but you don't want to be over frugal, also known as, like I said earlier, cheap in the eyes of people. You don't want to appear cheap. Number three, over frugality can be ungodly. I have found that over frugality can be the love of money in disguise. Here's what I've observed in my years of, of being a, a believer and, and, and studying human behavior and all that. There are two types of manifestations of the love of money. And oftentimes when we read that verse in the Bible, the love of money, we always picture the same thing, right? A super wealthy individual that is hoarding money and that is a miser and that is, doesn't want to uh, share the wealth or give to the poor or is living only for himself. That's the image we have of the love of money. But the love of money can also disguise itself as the poor who are scared to spend and who try every way they can to scrape a penny. Some people are so overly frugal that it is actually the love of money disguised. They're going to justify it spiritually saying, Oh, I really love the Lord. I'm trying to save a penny because I want to be a good steward. But you know what? This is very subtle. You better watch yourself. You better watch just how much, uh, how frugal you are. Because check out your heart. Ask the Holy Ghost to show you. My frugality, is it overboard, Lord? And if it is, I want you to show me. Because over-frugality can be the love of money disguised. Don't forget, we serve a God of abundance. We serve the King of all creation. And when you keep in mind that God is your King and that you're His ambassador that was sent, dispatched on this earth, you have a very different picture than uh, if you think yourself of, I don't know, uh, a sojourner in the land of the wicked and you can't wait to get to heaven and this world is completely satanic and, and I want to preserve myself from it and I'm just going to try to scrape a penny because money is the root of all evil. If you have that kind of mindset, you're messing yourself up and you're actually setting yourself up to become a possible victim of the love of money in disguise. Kingdom law says this. Kingdom law says that when you let it go, it comes back to you. But when you hoard it, or you pinch the pennies, or you're afraid to let it go, you lose it. Liz read it in the parable of the talents. What happened to the guy who went and buried the, the bag of gold? Did he gain anything? No. The bag of gold was taken, and Jesus said, give it to the one who has 10. Because he was fruitful. He wasn't afraid. See, he wasn't afraid. That's the thing. And, and it's very interesting how that works. There's an interesting passage in Proverbs 11, 24, 25 that says this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. That's the guy who had five, right? Who, who was willing to part with it and give it to the bank and, and get the so he got he got a recompense from that another withholds unduly but comes to poverty a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed isn't that amazing if you're willing to part with it 
it's going to bear more fruit than if you're will if you're not willing to part with it and you're scared to let it go and you're scraping a penny and you're ah, I can't spend ah, I can't spend also look at the book of proverbs which echoes I mentioned that in previous episodes the parable of the talents when it says in proverbs 13:22 a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children but and keep this in mind the servant was called a wicked servant and the servant who made Money was called what? Good and faithful servant. So again, good, a good man made money in the parable of the talents. And the wicked, and here in the Proverbs 13, 20, it says, but the wealth of the sinner, and I think other versions say wicked, I'm not sure, but I think so. I think I remember reading that, is stored up for who? For the righteous. So that's exactly what happened to this wicked servant. He went with his talent and he what he stored it up he hid it he hoarded it i can't spend it it's mine mine remember daffy duck in that cartoon when he was in the cave of alibaba <laughs> he's with bugs bunny and they get the, the they find the cave of alibaba the cave of wonders they find the treasure and bugs bunny remains cool calm and collected as we we know him and this, you see Daffy Duck goes bonkers. He goes like, mine, 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 mine. And he just swims in the money. And then he, and then he sees Bugs Bunny as this enemy who's going to take the money away. And he starts hoarding it. And he goes nuts, right? We become crazy when we, we're afraid to let go money. We don't think rightly. We have what? We become uh, wicked and lazy servants if we have the wrong mindset with money. So a scarcity mentality can only lead to lack. It's simple. Scarcity breeds scarcity. And guess what? Abundance breeds abundance. That's what the Bible tells us, you know? One person gives freely and yet gains even more. Exactly. And you know, a lot of Christians will think, well, I'm I'm being wise with my money because I'm keeping it in the bank. I'm saving it for a rainy day. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I don't have a lot of it. And so you, I have won't, to be and you wise. won't have a lot of it with that mindset. And I have to be wise. I have to keep it. And, you know, it's for my family and this and that. But that's what the Bible's teaching you. It's kingdom law to bless other people, other Christians with that money and to find creative ways, you know, to uh, create wealth so that it's always something that is flowing. It's yeah. it's coming and going. It's coming and going. Like a river. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, you cannot attract wealth when you think like a poor person. It's not going to happen. It short circuits it. Wealth is attracted to generous people. Wealth is attracted to people who want to flow like rivers. And, and we're not saying, you know, to get rid of all of it and to give it into ministries and, and to live like a poor person. That's not what we're talking about. But, you know, there's a lot of wealthy Christian people that, yes, they do have investments, but they're also using some of those investments to bless uh, Christian organizations. Um, and they give very, very generously. So that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, people that want to give everything away and then it's over with. We're talking about giving some away but using your mind your your creative mind to f figure out different ways to multiply that mm -hmm. money and to invest and to reinvest and to bless others and to have a flow of money coming in and coming out yeah and there's so many uh people who think like they're poor they're get this straight there are no beggars and hobos in god's kingdom that is kingdom law okay and and that also applies to your prayer life. When you're begging God, you're acting like a beggar. You, you just, it just goes to show you, you don't get kingdom. You didn't get it. You don't understand who you're serving. So uh, that said, I do believe you can actually pay too much for stuff. Like some people are afraid to spend. But of course, you have to have a healthy fear of overspending. And that's normal because, yeah, sometimes uh, stuff is overcharged. And you got to be wise with your money. Like Elizabeth said, it's, it's, it's okay to be wise with your money. There is such a thing as overspending. But that said, there also is such a thing as value. And what do I mean by that? Well, I believe that you do get, in general, you do get what you pay for. Okay? And here's the thing. I've spoken to many, many entrepreneurs who are starting their business, who've been trying to get their business off the ground for a year or two, and they're scraping pennies like crazy. 
So they come to you with their business problems. They say, oh, I can't do, I can't, I can't do this. I can't achieve that. I can't. And then you tell, you see their problems and you, you have a solution in mind. You're like, hey, here's what you should do. You should uh, buy this book and read it. Or you should buy this course. This course, I followed this course and it really helped me with that particular problem you're talking to me about. Or you should invest in a website, create a bigger uh, uh, online platform, have, have something or maybe a podcast. Or you try to guide them on a way to create a platform that's going to bring people to them and they're going to be able to get that business going. And then they give you a platitude of an excuse like, well, I don't have any money or oh, it's too expensive for me. Well, I'm sorry, but you, with that mindset, you're not going to make it. They are always making excuses as to why they can't. They're, they're stuck in can't mode when you're telling them that they need to invest. Invest in a book. Invest in a training. Invest in a, a, a seminar. Invest in this online training. Invest in this website. Invest in your podcast. No, no. Oh, no. I, I, I don't think that'd be wise. That's too costly. I can't afford it. So they're in can't mode all the time. And see what they are doing is they're mistaking, they're, they're confusing spending with investing. And the two are not one and the same. There are things you can put your money in that is actually going to give you an ROI, return on investment. It's not spending. Spending, see, you're not going to see that money again. That's spending. You know, when, when, you, uh, when you put, for example, gas in your car, you're spending your money. Because that gas is going to evaporate as you travel. It's it, it, you're spent. That's a, an expense, okay? But an investment is something that's going to come back to you. So if you invest in a training, it's going to come back to you in the knowledge that you can apply to get your business to where you want to get it. So don't mistake spending with investing. So realistically, yeah, it does take money to make money. So if you're not willing to invest anything, you're acting out of a fear of lack. Just like the wicked servant in the parable who said, Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. There's many ways this can manifest in your life, folks. There's many ways your fear of lack can manifest in your life. How you perceive your master, if you don't see God as your provider, if you don't see God as your source, well, you have a scarcity mindset. You're Right away, you're short-circuiting everything in your life as an entrepreneur. Because if you don't see God as your source, you're going to see what as your source? Your job as your source, your money in the bank as your source. You're going to see anything else as your source. And therefore, what's going to happen? You're going to limit everything. You're going to look at the amount. You say, that's what I have. That's what's possible. You're going to see at the amount and think, well, I can't spend more than that. Why? Because you're going to see that as your source instead of seeing the God, the unlimited God as your source. Okay. And I think a lot of Christians are stuck in um, the, the poverty, the religious poverty um, spirit uh, that affects a lot of believers. And, um, you need to pray that off. You need to pray and ask God to deliver you. You from, need to repent. From yeah, for any religious poverty spirit that might be affecting you. Sometimes it's not, like I said. Sometimes it could be generational. Sometimes it's something that you've you've gotten from your parents, and you need to pray that off, and ask for forgiveness. Because when when you really do have faith, then you know that all things are possible, and you operate from a, a spirit of. I have faith in God. I have faith in God to show me a plan to be able to make extra income. Uh, and you're praying in a certain way that God shows you a plan and you will invest the money you do have to be able to put that plan forth. And you believe you're acting in faith, knowing that your Heavenly Father will give you abundance through this plan, that He will 
that you will reap a harvest. So it's a very different mindset as opposed to what Sebastian was talking about earlier. And I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of home-based business owners and network marketers that are really struggling with this and have this mindset that, you know, I can't like buy these tools. I can't get a lead page. I can't get a website. I can't, um, you know, start a blog or start anything that I'm actually could be potentially good uh, at because, you know, my husband's going to criticize that I'm spending money uh, in this business. Well, I'm sorry, but you're going to stay stuck and, you know, the world is not going to notice any of your strengths or your skills because you're not putting yourself out there. And it doesn't mean that you have to spend a fortune on having, you know, an amazing website with amazing branding. Sometimes it could just be starting a simple podcast. Um, Sometimes it's just about having the tools you need to function and to be able to work faster and more productively. Sometimes it's just, you know, um, using a simple lead page just to have something so that, you know, you can give away a freebie to somebody and have them join your email list and have an email autoresponder and most of these people like this these are really basic things I'm telling you about that I've had for years in my business and some people are just scared to even buy that because Mm. you know oh no only when I start making money I'm going to get those things well you know it's a vicious cycle that never ends I mean you do have to invest some money there has to be some basic Um, even just maybe branding yourself that's a could be a basic you know, and using free social media to get your message out, but to get a little bit of branding, you know, spending a certain amount of money to get someone to help you with branding, um, to get noticed on social media platforms is a basic, basic thing. And so a lot of you have to be thinking about that. If you want to stand out and you want people to take you seriously as a business owner, you do have to do the basics. Yeah. So another thing I want to bring up, about the parable of the talents, which is super important. It says in the beginning of the story that the master entrusted the bags of gold to each servant according to their ability. According to their ability. Those are four very important words. Don't take the master or God for a fool. He knows exactly how much to entrust to you. And he knows exactly how much he can expect back as a return on investment from each one of his servants in the kingdom. And when he doesn't get it back, well, there's consequences at the judgment. It doesn't necessarily, like if you're truly saved, it doesn't mean uh, you won't be kicked out of the kingdom. But you're you're not going to get the same amount of rewards as those who are bearing fruit according to their ability, according to their ability. See, what God gives you in the beginning is according to your ability. What happens on salvation? Upon salvation, well, you receive the Holy Ghost. That's that's one thing. But you also receive spiritual gifts, right? So there's a spiritual aspect of the bill of the talents, which is what churches have spent their whole time teaching on. But there's also the the physical resources. We live in a physical realm. We are called to have dominion on the earth as human beings, as kingdom believers. There's a a very physical aspect there. And there's the ability to create wealth that he's given us. So many of you out there think that they're doing God's will because they're going to church every Sunday. Or maybe because you own a Bible or two at home and and you take the time to read it five times a year with your kids. But here's what you're really doing. In reality, you're burying your talent and you think the master is going to be happy when he comes back. God's given you a lot more than you are actually using right now. And a lot of you, this applies to, a lot of you are not using everything that God gave them. Because of a a fear of lack, a scarcity mentality. You're hoarding, you're holding back. See the guy with five, he didn't didn't hold back. He went all out. Notice one thing. He didn't go to the bank and took four bags. Because it would have gotten him a return too. If he had put four bags out of five in the bank, he would have made eight. Right? Right. That would have been a return on investment. 
I wonder, and just hypothetically, what would the master would have, have told him when he got back if he had given back eight and held back on one? See, notice the two servants who were commanded, they held back nothing. They gave everything. They gave everything they had. So let me ask you a question. Are you, more. are you giving everything you have in order to bear fruit? What are you holding back? Some of you think, well, I've, I, I am giving some. Yeah, you might be giving some. But see, that the, the ones who were commanded in the parable were those who gave all. They gave all. So, And we're not talking about giving it away. No. We're talking no, about we're finding We're talking about not holding anything back to make sure you're fruitful. Exactly. We're talking about executing a plan that you know is going to give a return. See, he knew. That's why he took five bags. It's because he knew he was going to get a return. He was confident in knowing he was going to get a return because he had a plan. He didn't just throw the money away. He didn't just, you know, get rid of it. Yeah, and, and so many of you out there think that once you've prayed the prayer of salvation, you're safely tucked into heaven, and it's easy, easy sailing from there. The prayer of salvation was just the beginning. It's just the beginning. That's the moment when the master entrusts each of you with the resources according to what? Again, according to your ability. And of course, we're talking about the spiritual aspect and the physical one. So which ability? It's interesting because if we keep it in the context of the parable of the talents, he gave to each one according to their ability to what? Their ability to create wealth. Yeah. In the context of that particular parable, when it says he gave each one according to their ability, it's speaking specifically of their ability to create wealth. That's fascinating. That's from Deuteronomy 8.18, the ability that God has given us to create wealth. So many, when I say create wealth, so many believers out there think all like they think, I, I got to become a, a financial advisor, a financial management expert. I got to become this super brainiac Warren Buffett Christian type. Are you crazy? No. God doesn't expect all of us to become Wall Street savvy or real estate moguls. Your ability to create wealth has to do with so much more than that. Here's what it has to do with. It has to do with your resourcefulness. Tony Robbins said this, and he was right. He said, most people think they lack resources, but in truth, they lack resourcefulness. It has to do with your creativity. God gave you a creative mind, and it's a shame that so many believers never use that. They're so used to, from, from, from youth to be told what to think, what to do, how to be, that they don't use their creative minds. Their creativity. It also has to do with your boldness for the king. How bold are you for God? Are you like the guy who had five bags of money, goes, goes all out, gives all five bags? Or are you, would you have held back one or two of those bags? Your willingness to take risks. We're going to talk about that in another episode. Your relationships also. How savvy are you in your relationships? If you surround yourself with broke people, with broke mindsets, who don't accomplish nothing, well, guess what you're going to be? Yeah, we know that we are the average of the five people we surround ourselves with. If you surround yourself, if you choose to surround yourself with the right people, well, you're going to have right things coming your way, right opportunities. People are going to come to you, offering you things, partnering with you for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, generally speaking, when you, it's not just that their mindset is not in the right place of abundance, but also these people have bad habits. And so um, by hang, hanging out with those people, you're not learning the good habits. You're not learning what you need to do in your daily habits to be successful and to create wealth. So when you hang out, if you don't have anybody around you, I mean, you might have somebody in your church that... Um, is is making it that successful in real estate or successful in something else and you know just hanging out with them for a day and you know asking them if that would be okay you'll you'll see a lot of insights on how people live and how people think and and learn from them just having coffee dates and and asking them the right questions you'll learn tr a tremendous 
uh, deal and it, you'll be able to apply that in your life and make those changes and see some improvements. Exactly. So your ability to create wealth, remember this, that's the lesson of this podcast. Your ability to create wealth that God gave you, remember from the parable of talents, he gave to each according to their ability. Well, this is canceled by your fear. Your fear of, in this instance, the fear of lack. Hoarding it, keeping it, trying to pinch a penny. Make no mistake about it. Fear always cancels faith. Always. So if you're living in fear in any area in your life, you're not living in faith and you will not see the fruit of the kingdom in your life. So you need to repent. You need to get rid of that fear fast. Absolutely. So I hope that this podcast has blessed you. Um, It's given you a lot of food for thought. Um, It reminds me um, of an anecdote. This one lady, she she was in network marketing and she was very, very poor. She was actually living out of a tent with her three children and her story is absolutely remarkable. And she explains how she just wanted to know what the secret was. And she was a Christian lady. She wanted to know what the secret was. What are people that are successful doing? Why is she not successful? And she started just hanging out with in restaurants and areas and in places where uh, wealthy people would hang out. And she said, you know, all she had was enough uh, enough money to to pay like an appetizer or a drink but just being around those people and talking with them she was learning so much so she wasn't even able to stay you know for the whole meal and stuff but she would just find little ways that she could just be around these people just to learn just to learn a little more so you know I think it's very admirable you know that a lot of Christians want to you know spend a lot of times with pastors and this and that but I think you know unfortunately a lot of pastors you know, have the heart in the right place. They want to help people, but they don't have that mindset to grow and expand. Most don't. And so, um, unfortunately, it's not always the best place to learn about wealth. And I'm not saying you always have to go to non-believers. I'm just saying, you know, to expand your environment of different kind of peoples, go to mixers, go to areas, you know, when uh, business conventions, like different areas, you know, there's all kinds of events in your areas where, Uh, You can spot, you know, different events where you can learn from successful people and mingle and chit chat and make those good connections and just go out for coffee or drink or whatnot. You can hit it off with all kinds of people and learn from them. And I like what you're saying. Uh, For example, your pastor can be a a mentor in the area of spiritual growth, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't have to be your mentor in the area of financial growth. Right. And he, he doesn't necessarily have to be your, your mentor in the area of marital growth or how to raise your kids. You know, see, the thing is, we, we, we don't understand that we can have mentors for many different things in our lives and we can choose them. Yeah. And uh, so keep that in mind as, as you seek to use your ability that God gave you. So remember, he's given you resources, each according to your ability. So, uh, and he expects fruitfulness from that. So I really like seek the pastors, the, yeah. not the pastors, but the mentors that you need to help you in those areas. Uh, a really good example. I, I met uh, a really nice pastor um, on Fiverr and he, he had a really nice voice. Well, he has a really nice voice. And so he, we asked him to do an intro uh, for our podcast Uh, It's not the intro that you hear right now because we've changed it after a while, but it was the first intro that we had gotten done a couple of years back. And uh, we really liked uh, that intro and we liked his voice. And I thought it was so creative. And I, I look back now, it's been about a good two years since then. And I've gone to see his business and, you know, he's doing really good on Fiverr. Like he started at, you know, 10, 10 bucks, the intro with using a skill that God gave him, uh, his voice, you know, something that God blessed him with. And so he, he does the pastoral duties. He's a a pastor of a church and he's doing these intros and outros became super techie, um, gave us great advice when we started our podcast and the equipment we should use. He does affiliate marketing. Now he's doing, um, he has his own blog and he's teaching people how to podcast 
and you really, you know, using exactly what we're talking about, his creative ability yeah. to create wealth that God has given him and using his strengths. And so he's making extra income for his family. Now his intros and outros are more expensive on Fiverr because over time he built an audience and now he's able to charge a little more. And so he's making extra income. So that's a, a perfect example of a godly man, you know, using what God gave him to create more for his family. And he's blessing other people because he's given us great tips. He's added value to us. I've asked him, you know, questions about this and that, about podcasting, and and he's been able to help us. So, you know, it's just a simple example of how you can use your strength and your God-given ability to create wealth. So we hope that this podcast has blessed you. Please share it with other believers. We know that it's going to help other Christians as well. So we wish you a great week. If you're not signed up, if this was the first time you listened to our podcast, do sign up at thrivingonpurpose.com. You can join our email list. We send out our podcast every week, so you'll be first to know about it. And we have all kinds of free resources on that page as well. So be sure to check that out. So be blessed and thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 